0: Welcome to episode twenty-eight of cue the Duck Boats Podcast. I'm happy to say, Kevin, you're sitting right next to me today for the first time and we're doing this live. How are you feeling today, buddy? I'm doing good. Um Jake's been a
1: great host. Having I mean, here his house, uh, it's a lovely house, his uh, lovely property in the middle of nowhere. It's nice though; it's peaceful. A lot of chipmunks. You don't got chipmunks in target, so it's kind of cool seeing those little rascals scurrying around the walls. But...
0: Yeah, Kevin was Kevin was blown away by seeing chipmunks. It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. Just watching First this thing, kid look per- at I've Never seen
1: one person. Yeah, it was funny.
0: That was funny for sure. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about in this episode. We're kind of going to do our Bruins season and review and see just take a look at everything that went down this year. Um, And overall, like, how do you feel about this season? If you could put, like, a couple words on what this season meant to you, like, what what is it?
1: Um, It was an up-and-down season. Um, it was tough because, like, you can't say they had a bad earlier season. Like – what did we finish with? 108 points? Like, yeah, it was a tough division, and That was the biggest thing. It's, they we started off a little slow, and then we had that one stretch, and they just dominated, and just towards the end, injuries really got us, and kind of kicked us into where we were, and getting to the top wild card spot, and setting us up with that first round match with Carolina. It was just... You would think if Pasta and Lindholm didn't get hurt for for two weeks down the stretch, maybe you could have been able to hold Tampa off, and you would have faced Toronto. Yeah, and we all know how that play would have went. So,
0: yeah, and I mean, for me, right, I look at this season still as successful in a way. I mean, obviously, you never want the Boston Bruins to lose in the first round of the playoffs, but I think after we gave ourselves a week and a half, you know, before we recorded this and I think it helped me get some perspective on the season. This is what this Bruins team was. Our second line center was Eric. Hall. You know what I mean? In our, you know, I, I would like to say our third D pair was forward and Clifton, but they might've been our best D pair in the playoffs. So it, it's hard for me really to say that um, because they, they played really well. So I can't be anything but happy with what they did for us. Um, but this team was a top wildcard team. That's what we were. The top wildcard team is expected to lose to the to one of the top two teams. It just that's why we're seated the way we are. We were the easier matchup, and Carolina beat us, and it's shown. Carolina looks like they're having more trouble with with uh, the Rangers, even though if they're up to nothing, right? But the Rangers have fought them a little harder through the first two games than we did. And we, pull, we took the game seven. We did. And, you know, in a game seven, anything can happen. And I realize that. I've been a Bruins fan long enough to know. We could have won that game, too. It just didn't go our way. So it's hard to, like, look at the whole season as a failure, just off not getting through the first round. But you do want to because it's Boston Bruins hockey. And that kind of brings us to, I think, we're going to do a lot of reviewing on each player during this episode. But I want to start off with some of the, you know, news of right now. Obviously, it seems Don Sweeney's staying. I think Don Sweeney is going to be the GM of the Boston Bruins maybe for the next few years. He was talking like a man who's making decisions right now, like he still has a job, and Cam Neely said they're going to get that hammer out this week. How do you feel about Sweeney staying?
1: Yeah, it's it's a love and hate. It's We all know like what Sweeney can do at the trade deadline. And we I mean, also know what Sweeney can't do when it comes to drafting some top talent to fill in what you need to, especially when you have a big salad or cap crunch like the Bruins have. But you need those young talents, you need those ELCs, you need to be able to balance a veteran core with young up and coming players on cheap contracts that allow you to go out and get stars. Yeah, and with the salary crap crunch that we're under, it's you see that we don't have money to go out and start retooling this team. With higher end players. That's why we have Eric Hollis and Nick Felinos and Thomas No. 6.
0: And Eric Hollis, you know, I have to interrupt there. Eric Hollis did have a really good year. And if he could play at the pace he did in the second half of the year, he absolutely is oh. a second line center. I just would rather him be our third line center. You know what I mean? No, exactly. And, you know. and his contract's not as bad as Charlie Coyle or Nick Felino, but.
1: Yeah, no, you're going to find that balance, of Is Hollis your second line center going and. What do you do if uh,
0: Patrice Bergeron does retire? Does Eric Carlson become your first line center? Like, nah, that's no, no, it's that, not a
1: recipe for success, and that's kind of the cross where we're at right now, waiting for Bergeron to make the decision what's best for him and his family and his future going forward. So it's tough. Everything's just tough right now.
0: Yeah, and that I mean that's obviously something we have to respect too, right? It's like. You look at the Bruins cap going into this offseason right now and we have $4.3 million in cap space. That's not a lot of cap space. And why is that? It's because you paid Coyle $5.25 million, right? That's one of the reasons. And the Charlie Coyle looked like he was about to take the next step into that second line center role. He did. So I blame him less on that. And that's also the direction the market was going. That was a before COVID signing. So you have to look at that and you have to realize that might not have been the worst signing at the time, but it's revisionist history. You know what I mean? Then you look at Fellino. Fellino has another year at $3.8 That sucks. That absolutely sucks. Fellino this year, as much as he brings to the locker room, he had two goals, 11 assists for 13 points. He was also dashed 13. So that's a tough one. Thomas Nozick making $1.75. I, I honestly think that you could get what you get out of him from a player who makes $850,000. But, you know, I know some people like him. Smith at 3.1, I'll take Smith at 3.1. As he plays, if he if he plays how he did towards the end of the year, not how he did in the playoffs, I'm fine with that. Um, the top of this lineup is immaculate with contracts, though. Marshawn is three more years at 6.12 million. That's ridiculous. Pasta has another at 6.67. Great deal. That's going up. Hall has three years at six million. That's great. DeBroski two years at four million. Also great. So you have to look at that and be like, all right, he signed Lindholm for eight times 6.5. Seems like it's going to be a great deal for Lindholm. You have Lindholm and Charlie locked up. He went out and got Hampus Lindholm at this trade deadline. Last year he went out and got Taylor Hall. So as much as we like to say Don didn't do enough, he got the two best players in the last two deadlines. And he brought them to Boston. So did this team make it over the hump and win the Stanley Cup and get deep in the playoffs? No. But did Sweeney go out and get the two best players over the last two years? He could. He did. Is he mortgaging our future to do it? He is. But not as much with, I mean, no, the second round pick in Bjork for. Prime, right. So when we look at it, it's really,
1: you give a first rounder in the live home deal just to unload John Moore's contract. Yeah.
0: You and had to.
1: That and-
0: you had to. Um, you had to do that. Right. In our, our defense court, you know, I, I'm giving Carlo and Grizzly a pass. I am. Because Carlo has a higher ability to play. And. I'm going to give him the start of this 2022-2023 season before I make my final judgment on Carlo because I've seen so many ups and downs, and I actually like the way he finished the playoffs in a way. Grizzlick's getting a complete pass. Grizzlick was playing great to start the year. He got hurt. None of us knew. So the judgment we were throwing on Grizzlick is bullshit. Yeah, he had 50 games of a dislocated okay, his shoulder, shoulder. Like Pop, that, and in and out of place it, every game. Yeah, the fact that he even took the ice for us is, shows he's a warrior and he cares about this team. So Grizzlick, the judgment's passed. Forbert, I talk shit about the whole year. But Forbert's the kind of guy you want on your team in the playoffs and he showed it. He really did. In at 3 million a year, I think it's a little high for what we got during the regular season, but still, I have no problem with Forbert. I really don't. And Connor Clifton has a year left at 1 million. And as much as Cliffy Hockey makes mistakes, he came out and he played pretty good. You know, and I'm not trying to go through every single area here because we're gonna do a player review, but I'm just looking salary cap wise. A lot of the guys in this team are on okay contracts. The biggest problems I look at is Felino and Nosek, really. You know, and, and Coyle. That's a lot of money tied up between three guys who are underperforming. Charlie Coyle underperformed this year. He really did. And I get it that he's a hometown guy and, you know, he's almost a point every other game guy. But the amount of money he's making, he has to do more when the going gets tough. And we'll get into all that. But circling it back to the topic of Don, I just – It's tough for me to say that Sweeney's been a complete failure. The 2015 draft, right, it didn't go as planned, obviously. But at the same time, Jake DeBrusque is now again a 25 goal scorer. If they can somehow fix things, which we've seen multiple reports that they've asked DeBrusque to reconsider his trade request. They can fix things with DeBrusque. Is he really that bad of a busted pick? I say not at all. We just re signed Jakub Zaborl. He's coming back. He looked really good at the start of this year. If he can become an impact defenseman and be another guy in that decor, our decor just got pretty good pretty fast if he can be a good player. And is that really a failed pick? Zach Shenishin's a failed pick. He, he couldn't even stick on the roster right now in, in Ottawa. He didn't work. He was a reach out the draft, he was a guy that was listed to be a Patrice Bergeron type player. That's what that's what made them – they're trying to find their replacement for Bergeron. They've been trying to. They failed there. He, he, he was a miss. There's a lot of misses in drafts, though. So it's tough for me to just sit here and be like, oh, Don Sweeney's terrible at drafting because he's made some good picks. He really has. Fabian Liesel looks like he's going to be a stud. That's a, that's a Don Sweeney draft pick. Johnny Beecher's better than everyone thinks, and the Bruins know that. They know that. That's another good pick. Trent Frederick and everyone who hates Trent Frederick and blames Don for that Trent Frederick is on the goddamn same trajectory that Tom Wilson was on look at their stats side by side from day one I said that's the type of player he's going to be look at their stats side by side come back and tell me why I'm wrong because I'd love to know it yeah no that's the biggest
1: thing it's like not every GM is going to have a thousand no you have your strength you have your weaknesses it just happens to be that Sweeney's strength is the
0: trade deadline which you can build a team around that. It's how you make your team
1: better mid season. And so it's a give and take with energy
0: and like yeah.
1: the whole thing. So at the end of the day, Sweden's a better option than a lot of people out there. And that's why he's sticking around.
0: Yep. I, I I mean, I think it's that simple. Like I don't know who you expect you can just go out and get that already, you know, and I know the Bruins need philosophical change. And I think a lot of that comes more from coaching. As much as everyone looks at this team and they're like, oh, Bruce had a bunch of matchsticks to work with and all shit. Not really. Like, he had a team that had Brad Marshawn, David Pasternak, Taylor Hall, Patrice Bergeron, Charlie McAvoy, Jake DeBrusk, like, on it. You know what I mean? And he had a pretty decent decor. Like, he, he didn't have a terrible team. I think Bruce Cassidy is going to be the casualty this year. I really do. I don't think we see Bruce come back. And I think Cam Neely gave us the first foreshadowing on the fact that they're really looking hard if they want to go forward with Bruce. I don't think, the Bruce, get, I don't think Bruce gets the most out of his players. If this team's going to get younger and wants more creativity, Bruce ain't your guy. Cam Neely said in his press conference that he would like this team to be able to play with a little more creativity. And he thinks the young players have too much worry in the back of their head if they're still going to be able to be in the lineup if they make a mistake. That can't be the case if you're going to get younger and you're going to try to play a more offensive game. They keep talking about how they want to generate more goals and play more offensively year by year. Well, if your coach punishes you for mistakes when you're trying to play more offensively, that makes that tough goal to hit. It really does. How do you feel, Kev, about that?
1: Yeah, no, you hit all the points early. It's just you can't have like, – you want. Like, that's kind of the You can't have these, your next generation – being worried, hey, if I screw up one time, I'm going to get another chance for six games. And then you're out of the rhythm. You can't get going. you can't establish yourself. We saw with Frederick. He bounced on the third, fourth line. Oh, he'd get a penalty. You're out of the game. Like, Bruce loves putting people in his doghouse. And the hell depressed he was. Sent to the third line and the fourth line. Oh, healthy scratch. And then you put him on the first line. Give him the minutes. Play with him. elite players. He's a 25-goal scorer. It's, it's how it is. You can't – you just got to let him play. It's kind of the same way we saw Pasha back in the way Claude Julian. It was
0: yep, – You got to let the dogs dance, run. Yeah,
1: let him run. It's – yeah, is not going to have the best defense. But especially when he was young, but he knows how to score goals. And over time, he's developed his defense. <laughs> but he's not going to get to that point if you don't let him play the game first. It's – that's just how it is. It's –
0: yeah, no, I, I agree completely, and I, I look to just some of the guys who don't have jobs out there, right, in the NHL, and the first guy that comes to mind for me would be, it would be Rick Tockett. Like, I think that Rick Tockett would be the ideal replacement for Bruce. Um, he's proven he knows how to work with young players. He's proven he knows how to work with stars. He spent his career around one of the biggest stars in Wayne Gretzky, obviously. And he seems like he's a really well-liked guy, which I think are things that you need in a veteran slash young player locker room. The Bruins have a pretty good mix. And I think he's a guy who played Bruin style hockey. He was a power forward player. And I really think that he's someone who could resonate with this group. I really do. Um, we interviewed that,
1: him right last year.
0: Yeah. So the, the Bruins actually interviewed Rick Tockett last year for a coaching position. Um, he actually mentioned it in Spin chiclets and not sure what coaching position that was. Obviously I would assume it it was an assistant coaching position, but that just shows that the Bruins had interest in Rick. And I'm sure that in the coming days, if they make a decision on Bruce, that isn't, he's coming back. I would assume we'll see Rick talk name connected with the Bruins. I don't know if he would be their guy, but I know that he would be connected with them. Another guy who just got fired for coaching is, you know, episode 28 this week. Mark Recchi, over 28. Um, I think that we could see Recchi come to the Bruins. I don't know if he's ready for a head coaching position. He hasn't had too much success as an assistant coach, but I still think Recchi is a really good hockey mind, and someone we could see come to the Bruins in an assistant coach facet. I would think the Bruins will keep Chris Kelly. I think he's probably the safest of the Bruins coaching group if Bruce is to go. But, you know, some head coaches bring in all their own guys. So we'll see how that goes. I, I truly like a wait and see with Bruce because – He's had a successful record. He has a winning record. His teams have always made the playoffs. But we're starting to see the 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 lines run in the sand, right? Like, as coaches mature through their careers with one team, their message starts to dry out. It doesn't mean they're a bad coach, because I don't think Bruce is a bad coach. I just think his message is starting to fall on deaf ears within the locker room. And he's not getting his guys motivated all the time. And I just – I think it might be time for a change. and I think that would be the first big change to happen. And I, I I think this ties into our next topic. I think a lot of it ties on what Patrice Bergeron wants. Um, there's no chance the Bruins are not communicating with Patrice Bergeron to say, hey, how do you feel about Bruce Cassidy if you're coming back? You know what I mean? But is Patrice Bergeron coming back? Kev, is, is Bergeron coming back? Oh, Bergeron's coming
1: back. It's – He's had, he's had one of the best seasons of his career,
0: like one of the best
1: defensive metrics, analytics, whatever you want to call them, ever in the NHL, for a two-way forward defensively. It's, it's nuts. And at 36, he can still do it. Um, it's really going to come down, though, to the family. At 36, yeah. he has, what, three kids? It's, is it time? Does he want to be a dad, a full-time dad? He's made the money. He secured the future for his family. It's it's
0: you know, tough. I honestly thought Bergeron was older than thirty six. I, really, I thought he was thirty eight. I didn't. But you're right. He's thirty six. I. It's just hard for me to look at Patrice Bergeron, who quite possibly will win the Selkie this week, and say like his time is up. Like he he had twenty five goals and forty assists for sixty five points in seventy three games. He was plus twenty six. He was an ace in the face-off circle. He was an ace-killing penalties. He was an ace on the power play. He had the best analytics season of his last 10. I just don't – it's so hard to accept that he's even thinking about retirement. But at the same time, Bergeron's been playing for, what, since he's been 17? 18 years. Like, it's just – it's really tough for us to sit here and like, you have to come back because if Patrice Bergeron retires, I, I will be physically sad, emotionally sad. Um, he's done more than enough for this Bruins team. Like he doesn't owe us anything. We owe him everything. You know what I mean? Like that guy drinks for free forever in Boston, but it, it's, it's really this whole team and the whole off season. We're in like a waiting game position as we wait and see what Bergeron's going to do. And obviously we're going to have more episodes going forward where we look into the off season and kind of our projections for last year. This is more look back at this year. But the most important part of this offseason is Patrice Bergeron and what he's doing. As you heard Don say, as you heard Cam say, as you heard everybody say, they want him back because obviously they want him back for a million reasons. But one seeds don't grow on trees. It's that simple. The last time the Bruins had someone who could be at one center, I guess Krejci. But other than Krejci and Bergeron, before that was Tyler Sagan, who we you know, obviously floundered that opportunity with Sagan. And we haven't had another guy who could play number one center since. Another young guy. Um, You know, they thought they had something in Jack Stadniko, which is still yet to be seen. I think he's another guy that's had trouble with Bruce Cassidy in his system, in reality. And we saw a little regression this year with Stadniko, so I'm really hoping he can have a huge offseason and get that hype back around him that he had going into this one. But we don't have any other number one centers, so we would have to make a major deal if Bergeron is gone. So we don't have a first round pick like it's, it's that simple. I know I've heard some talk about Fabian Lazzell maybe moving to the center, but who knows? Like really, who knows? So I, that's all I can really, really even say on it. Like Bergeron, I just, we hope Bergeron comes back. It's that simple. And the tone of this team is going to change significantly if he doesn't, let's get into some year in review stuff. We're going to start at the bottom and we're going to work our way up. So from our, our players who played a decent amount or a part of this team, Played some games. We're going to give him a rating, all right? We're going to start with Chris Wagner. He played one game for the Boston Bruins this year, then he came out in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, like um, 14 hits, though,
1: in that one game. <laughs> yep.
0: I'm going to give Chris Wagner an A-plus for this season for what he brought to the Boston Bruins. And you might be saying, what? Like, how? Chris Wagner from Boston, right? Confident guy. NHL player for a great deal of his career gets sent down, and spends the whole season in the AHL. Every report you hear about Chris Wagner is he was a first-class guy down there, paying for dinners, taking guys out, making them feel included, being the leader. Had 15 goals down there. Had a good season in the jungle. Right, because with him it had nothing to do with this play. It had everything to do with the salary. Yep, and so they could replace – they could yeah, put someone yeah. else in there and could do it. And Wagner went down. He comes back up for one game, has 14 hits, makes such an impression that he comes in and he makes an impact in the playoffs and helps the Bruins almost win a playoff series. A-plus for Chris Wagner. gonna we'll scroll up a little more until we get to someone. Let's go Jakob Zaboral. Through 10 games, he was plus one. He had three points. Then he tears his ACL. Zaboral to me, looked like be playing his most confident and most competent hockey I have seen yet this year. We're going to give Zaboral a B. Just because we don't we don't really know what we got out of him, but we're excited for his future. How do yeah, you feel on that? I totally
1: agree. Um, small sample size, but hopefully this season we can see what he can really bring to the table and help address his
0: team, especially with the crazy kind of mistake in game next season. So, so more. We'll he's gonna be in the top four. Yeah. It? yeah, it's that simple. I, I think they might even make a trade that'll really push him into it if they're signing him and they're that confident. Um, let's go up to Jack Stadnika. Giving Jack Studnika a D. Yeah. Giving Jack Stadnicka a D in this year. This year was a failure for Jack Stadnicka. Um, He played 15 games. He was minus five with three points. There are times he looked okay in those 15 games, but with we 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 thought Jack Stadnicka was going to be a, a second-line center this year, possibly. Yeah. He was supposed to be in our top nine. Stadnicka was said to have looked great all summer. He was working out. He had... Pasta, he had Marshawn commenting on how good he looked. Something just didn't click when he got here. And I'd like to say it's not going to stick that way and he's going to push forward this summer, but it simply didn't happen for us. Like It didn't happen this year. So I I think Jackson Nika failed this year. And I think he would probably feel the same way. Obviously, his aspirations are pretty high and he seems like a pretty level-headed kid. So, I'd like to see Jackson Niga step up in a big way. He's going to have to. He has to. If he wants to be a Boston Bruin, he has to step up this year. It is now do or die time for Jackson Niga. These are kind of quick hitters. Mark McLaughlin. Oh, big fan. Big fan of big Mark fan. McLaughlin. 11 games, three goals. Looked like he could play at the NHL level a bit. I think he's going to be a guy who next year, even, could push some of these guys for a little more expensive out of our bottom six. And we could see him be a good bottom six player. Yeah, he, he looks he – he he's that an NHL shot. He's a versatile too. Yeah. Wing, he does it all. Yeah, I liked him. Uh, we'll give McLaughlin a B. A good yeah. solid old B. Gets us into some of the bigger boys a little bit. Hampus landed because on he only played 10 games. He had five points in 10 games. He was plus 10. He's an impact player. He's one of the smoothest skaters I've ever seen. He turns on a dime and he makes outlet passes like McAvoy does. Hampus Lindholm is going to be a fan favorite for the next eight years, or at least the next five, I'd say, five or six. Um, and I think Campus Lindholm is going to be a huge part of this Bruins team going forward. From what I saw out of him, I give him an A-. minus. Didn't score a goal, so that's the only reason for kind of giving him a little dash there. But I think we're going to see Lindholm step up his offensive game a lot in the next season, and I think we're going to see Lindholm McAvoy and be the best pair in the NHL. I'm confident with that. I really am. Going to our next player here, Oscar Steen. 20 games, two goals, four assists, six points. There's a little bit – dash one. Steen, I think I better give Steen a solid C+. I think he, you know, he deserves a 75 rating, 76, something like that for this year. He did enough to
1: give that new contract. Yeah. The two-year contract.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Steen, I mean, Steen's 24 years old. I think he's another guy that could fight for a bottom six spot on this team. And he has a little more upside. He has some talent to him. Take some guys some time to get the NHL. I think, you know, look at look at Michael Bunting. He's like 30. He's going to win the color. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the Leafs. But just, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Steen had an okay year. Um, and he could be happy with what he had. And hopefully he can push for a spot next year. Because we're going to have, I think, some competition in camp. And I think you could see some guys not make this team. Next guy, Anton Bleed. You Know, I, I'm not a big bleed fan. 32 games, two goals, seven assists, nine points. Yeah, he's, he's gone, so he's gone. Don't yeah, to he, worry about it yeah, he, you know, you heard his comments about you, he, he didn't sign a contract to not play, so that doesn't really sit well with the Bruins. I don't think we see bleeding the back black and gold again. We'll give him a C, and we have of people who play some stuff. He's just not, he's in no position to be talking like that. Yeah, Connor Clifton, Cliffy Hockey, you can start it. Um, Yeah,
1: Cliffy Hockey, it's, what, two goals, eight assists, 10 points, dash two. He's a riverboat gambler. Yeah.
0: I like Cliffy. I
1: like Cliffy. I'm I'm a Cliffy
0: fan. It's just, hey, there's so much, he looks amazing. Yes. There's so much, where is he? Is he on Mars? Like, so my dad said this to me probably two years ago when he first, like, whenever (coughs) Clifton first started. He was like, Clifton occasionally looks like Bobby Orr. The way he skates up the ice and the way he moves. He's like, then the next shift he looks like some like roller hockey player. Like <laughs> like like there's no like you just never know with Clifton, like what you're gonna get. But I, I still like Cliffy and like he makes a million dollars a year. So like what do you really like, What do you want <laughs> Like I like what Cliffy brings to the team. He's physical and he's a playoff type player. He played good at the playoffs. So it's it's like I you'll forget the season, right? I think his first like 40 games sucked this year. And then his last 20 were pretty good. And he rolled in the playoffs playing good. So uh, Cliffy is going to get a C. Another guy getting a C. A lot of guys are going to get C's in this team because we didn't really have that many shining stars. Nick Foligno, get an D. F. Get an, uh, D. Uh, we'll oh. go D. I like Nick, So we'll give him a D. We'll give Nick Foligno a D on the reason that I know he was great for the locker room, and I know he's a guy that helped bring this team together, but we're paying him $3.8 million a year. He had 13 points. It was minus 13. Yeah, it's man, not enough. It's not okay, and he knows it. McLaughlin
1: had more goals.
0: Yeah, it's not okay. Um, Derek Forbert had more goals. Oh. And more yeah. points. That's sad. <laughs> and he yeah, it's just not okay. And I think Felino knows that. So Felino is either gonna come to camp with his well, he doesn't have hair, but with his head <laughs> on fire. And, you know, as a as a guy who's losing his hair, i want to say that. Um, Felino's gonna either come out and he's gonna have the best season he's had in a while to start, or Felino's not gonna be on this team, I don't think. You have too many guys that can fill that role. He's gonna get sent down. So we'll—I mean, we'll see. I really, like, Chris 2 Yeah, life. not like I just—we'll—we'll we'll see what happens because I, I like Felino. You know, I really do, and I really want it to work. Like that's my honest opinion. But it didn't. It didn't work this year. It's that simple, right? You have anything yeah. on that?
1: No, nah, I'm—I'm the same boat because you can have a potential fourth line of Steen Beecher. And uh, McLaughlin, that yeah, favorite. I think I think you probably you're you're
0: right. forgetting about Lazar. I really would like to see Lazar resign. Yeah, but again it in depends. We
1: talked about this. did he play himself
0: right out of Boston? I don't know. I don't think, but we'll see. I mean, comes down to the money. I know. Everything really comes down. Everything months. comes down to the money. Derek Forbert. Derek Forbert's getting a C plus. As much as we talk shit about him, he had four goals, ten assists. He was a plus two. He played heavy down the stretch.
1: Yeah.
0: He he was never the reason we lost, games. He is a solid bottom-pairing defenseman. and when we needed him the most, he was there. <laughs> the reason we started off not liking him is because Bruce put him in the wrong spots. Yeah. Bruce had him at playing with a top pair, then as a top four, until he realized this guy's a good bottom-pairing defenseman. Derek Forbert gets a pass this year. He does, because after watching him play in the playoffs, I'm now a fan. It's that simple. You can convince me to be a fan easily. I'm, if you're nice to me, I like you. It's that simple. <laughs> so, like, I think Derek Forbert – is going to show that he's going to be an important part of this team going forward as a bottom pair defenseman. Brandon Carlo. We already talked about Carlo. Six goals, nine assists, 15 points, plus two. That's not the stat line you want for Carlo at all. Carlo has more talent than that. He's a better player than that. As a person, Carlo, I think, is becoming a leader in the locker room, which is good to see. But Carlo is going to be better next year. We can clip this, do whatever we want. Brandon Carlo is going to have 30 points next year. He's going to double his point production. He is a much – all right, 25 points, 10 more points I could see him getting. is a much better player than we saw. I don't know why. I don't know why this is what his year looked like, but really I think Carlo can be much better. Um, he's not a physical guy, and, you know, that's not a problem, but I just – I know he can be better. It, you know, he had more points in his first season as a rookie. He had one more point. But I, I don't I, – I really think that Carlo can be better. How do you feel about that?
1: No, I totally agree. Carlo has a lot of upside. Still, he's twenty five years old. He's young, and we forget he's that he's six six two twenty. Like. <laughs> it's you should have them the right pairing. That's all it is. It's
0: yeah. We're not getting rid of Carlo. Yeah. It's that simple.
1: It's Her... actually, like we talked about this. I brought it up too, and it. But it's like four. Carlo makes it four point one. He's supposed to do exactly <laughs> like he like, plays
0: on a power on a penalty kill and everything and. Bruins so. fans forget like some of these guys like aren't supposed to be McAvoy. They're not supposed to be Pasta. They don't have that in them, and they don't get paid mm-hmm. like it. So like, let them fill their role, and he's a guy who fills his role. Yeah, he was five
1: years at four point one. It's it's yeah. It's a I mean, it is. It is.
0: Very yeah, five years, four point one. We're gonna shut up on Carlo and let him let him start to really find his own. He's twenty five. You know, Um Curtis Lazar. I like Curtis Lazar's year a lot. Um Eight goals, eight assists, sixteen points. He's minus two, but. It's tough to not be in a fourth line role. Um Czar played good. Czar brings an edge. Czar works his balls off. I like Curtis Czar. I give him a B. Give him a B. I don't think we gave Carlo a grade. Carlo's getting a C minus with upside. A C minus, but no like no summer school. Like I think he can he can rehabilitate himself through through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, all on his own. So I think we're gonna really look at Curtis Czar now and giving him a B. You good with that? Yeah. I agree. I think Lazar deserves be, and I think he had ups and downs this year. There were some stretches where we were like, I ah, didn't really see him out there. But in 70 games, I think he played pretty good. you do. Thomas Nosek, I guess. I mean, it's tough, right? Like, because he yeah is a little better than Lazar, right? But really, he had three goals, 14 assists. He's good in the faceoff off dot. Um, at the same time, I'm just – I didn't really love what I saw to Nosek. He didn't bring what I thought he could bring, and I just don't love him at – 1.75 million. Oh. Close. Yeah, I will give him a C minus did his job, but it just—I get—we could teeter him on that line. It just wasn't enough for me. Mike Riley, you can start. Yeah, Mike
1: Riley's tough because he's bouncing between the first pairing, second pairing, in out of the lineup depending on the injuries, especially come playoffs. Uh, kind of played himself right out of the out of the lineup with his all oh, high sticking. Yeah, he's but.
0: I, yeah, think I think Mike Riley's gone next year. Yeah. And I like, don't think Mike Riley's a Bruin next year. Yeah, I think Mike
1: Riley's be one of your big trade assets yeah. this offseason to bring someone in because he knows so many You can't pay him
0: fucking three million a year. Yeah, the like, yeah, to be your seventh defenseman. There's just no shot. Like Zavoro's gonna make one point one three, and I'd much rather have him in the lineup, but rather have Clifton at one million and Forbert at the same contract at three million. I'd rather have yeah. Forbert. So there's just I don't think Mike Riley's here next year, so it just is what it is. Trent Frederick. Trent Frederick, I'm giving him a B, B-minus on this year. Only because he couldn't hold it for long stretches. Trent Frederick showed he's a third-line player, not a fourth-line player this year. Trent Frederick showed he his talent. In 60 games, he had 18 points, 8 goals, 10 assists, for plus 10. Trent Frederick makes a positive impact when he's on the ice. Trent Frederick is a player who I think Bruce needs to lay off. And fans are now complaining about Trent. They're like, he's not playing physical. It's because the Bruins told him to stop.
1: Yeah, it's every week Trent Frederick was asking him.
0: Something like, different, yeah. Hey,
1: we're you the fight. Wait on that line. Can't fight. Oh, no, they want to be a 20-goal scorer. But it's like, no, let like, him develop and play his game.
0: If Trent Frederick it's... played 82 games, he probably has 12 or 13 goals. Yeah. like I, I, Trent Frederick is going to win the seventh-player award next year, I think. Trent Frederick is going to be the impact player on this Bruins team next year. He's the X factor to me. I really think Trent Frederick is on the cusp of being Tom Wilson 2.0. So I'm giving him a B minus because I thought he was going to do it this year, but I think half that is on Bruce. Because I don't think Frederick was put in the right opportunity till the end. But really, I love Trent Frederick. I think he's going to be a good player for this team. I really do. He wasn't drafted to be a first line player. All right. He's drafted to be a third line player. A good one. And I think he's going to be. I really do. I'm high on Trent Frederick. He's a guy I'd like to interview. He's a guy I'd like to, to, us to get to sit down and talk to. He's our kind of guy. Really, like, I, I think Trent Frederick had a good year. I really do. He was, a, he was a positive impact player when he was on the ice. It's that simple. Matt Rislick. He was hurt. And we're not going to give Matt Grislich a grade this year. We're going to give Matt Grislich an A. We're going to give Matt Grislich an A for being a warrior. His on-the-ice product wasn't as good as it was in other years towards the end. He had four goals, 20 assists, 22 points. I mean, 24 points plus 22. Made a positive impact. Analytically, he was good. When the going got tough, he didn't look great. And that would significantly hurt his grade, but he had a separated shoulder. So that's enough. I mean, his shoulder was popping in and out. That's why he wasn't going hard in the corners. It's that simple. So his grades in A slash not able to be graded because he worked his ass off and he was out there playing. So it is what it is. Craig Smith, 16 goals, 20 assists, 36 points, plus two.
1: I That's more goals than I thought
0: he had. Yeah, I'm going to give him a B. Good, solid year. Solid year, 85, worked hard, played good. Um, had a really slow start, picked it up once they get, got him some stability, and he looked good. Through that stretch, he was nowhere to be found in the playoffs. We're looking at just the season, really, um, regular season. I don't even want to think about the playoffs, but he, didn't do, he did, like, nothing in the playoffs, so is what it is. guy who has to do more in the playoffs. He has to be better to start the year. Um, he's only getting older. What is Craig Smith? 33 years old. old well, is he 32? So, I mean, we need a little more to Craig Smith. And I think he's a guy who knows it. He's a, he's a long time NHL player. He give us a little more. Not worried about him. Jake DeBrusque, a plus. Yeah. Jake DeBrusque getting an a plus on this year. He was messed with, I don't do him better, I don't say the F word, he was messed with from start to finish this year by Bruce Cassidy. He was not in the lineup, he was in the lineup, he was a fourth liner, he requested a trade, it was leaked, he was treated terribly, then fans booed him, then we figured out, oh, maybe this kid's just going to come in and he's going to work, and he put up 25 goals, 17 assists for 42 points, plus 6 in 77 games with dealing with getting messed with for 95% of the season till he finally got to play in the top six on the top line where he succeeded, allowed the Bruins to move pasta down, creating depth, creating finally some depth on this team. Jake DeBross then put his head down after the trade deadline and did every single thing he was asked to. He scored goals in the playoffs. He played good. He played heavy. He was hitting people. Jake DeBross did exactly what we hoped Jake DeBrus would do. If Jake DeBrusque will stay on this Bruins team, next year will be the best year of his career. If, yeah, I, I really think so. Like, I, I, I think totally DeBrusque is, is on the cusp of being a perennial 25-30 goal scorer, as I've always said I thought he would be. And he, he proved it. And he, he proved that he was getting through some of the mental stuff this year, which obviously, you know, COVID affected a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And dealing with a guy like Bruce Cassidy constantly coming down on you could not have been easy for Jake. And I, I really liked his game the second half of the year and he's getting an A plus on that and on being a character guy who showed that no matter what, no matter what noise was going around, he was going to put his head down and do his job Charlie Coyle 16 goals, 28 assists, 44 points minus 6 B yeah. Charlie Coyle is what Charlie Coyle is he's a third line center and that's great third line center numbers, That's simple, we're just paying him like he's not one, that's not his fault, you can't blame a player for getting more money Good for him for getting that contract. Charlie Coyle's a third-line center. If that's your third-line center's numbers, that's ideal. It's that simple. A guy who did better than him, though, the guy who took his job as the second-line center, Eric Hall. 78 games, 18 goals, 26 assists, 44 points, plus 19, though, not minus 6. That plus plus 19's a little inflated by getting those two wingers on your sides. Eric Hall proved he could play second-line center. He really did. Um, would I rather him be like a third-line wing? Yeah, Probably. <laughs> But still, he played pretty good. So it's tough to, like – it's tough to be negative towards Hala. As much as we would have loved to see a Claude Giroux or someone like that get brought in to be your second-line center, um, Eric Halla had a pretty good year. I'm going to give him a big bonus for what he did. He came out, and he made a huge impact, and he helped this team have some depth, and he found chemistry with Hall and Pasta.
1: Right, so I remember he just thinking he overcame the adversity. of No had, role. Yeah, he had no role. He had – he wasn't – you got know, benched in the beginning, healthy scratch, And then here he is. He came out, and he put up 18 goals. He currently like, – I'm just going to talk about the depth. That depth was created for your second line. So
0: it's hard to hate a guy that came in. What are in, we give him a B-plus? B-plus. B-plus is a good, good, good grade. He got an 88. 88. He yeah. played with 88. Charlie McAvoy. A-plus. A-plus. Charlie McAvoy is our best player. He's a warhorse. It's that simple. What do we have to say about Charlie McAvoy? Charlie McAvoy is going to be in the Norris conversation next year. It's tough because he's playing in the generation of some of the best defensemen like ever. Like, Cam McCarty is better than he is. You know, Adam Fox and him are pretty similar, but it's just McAvoy is a absolute monster. 10 goals, 46 assists, 56 points, plus 31. And him and Hampus Lindholm are going to be literally unstoppable. So I say A plus Charlie McAvoy. or Charlie McAvoy positive podcast. Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall. Wow. Good numbers, 20 goals, 41-60 points, plus 11. And most of that came in the second half of the year when he finally got some players to play with. Yeah. When he got Pasta, him and Pasta started to light it up. Taylor Hall's going to get an A-minus, solid year, exactly what you want out of him. I think if he gets to start the year with Hall, I mean, start the year with Pasta, those numbers go up. He'll be like a 27-goal scorer, 60-assist guy. I think we yeah. can see him become go back to being a 70-point player, no problem. Um, 70, 80-point player. He has it in him. If, he's playing with, if he gets to play a whole year with Pasta, he'll literally do it. Like He'll be a 70-point player, I think, 100%. Patrice Bergeron, the timeless man. We already talked about him. I don't a really plus, need to talk more. He plus. always gets an A+. plus. Look at his stats. Just look at the analytics on him. Look at what he's doing at his age. Patrice Bergeron is a timeless wonder who is a monster in every facet of the game. David Pasternak, A. Good. David, David Pasternak in today. In 72 games, he had 77 points, 40 goals, 37 assists. He proved he could play with anyone. He played on almost every line this year when needed to be. He dealt with adversity that's unspeakable and things that no one could even imagine dealing with. And he came and he still put a smile on every day and played hockey. David Pasternak is someone who I think could be the next captain of this Bruins team. I was so heavy on it being McAvoy, but I think Pasta has a little good shot. It's one of them. They're one of those two guys are the next captain of this team after Bergeron does retire, hopefully not this year. Um, I think we'll see Pasta get signed very soon to a contract they want to work on it as soon as possible i think the talks are priority starting um the broom's going to open the checkbook for pasta he's going to get paid whatever he wants and i don't think it's going to be anything that crazy pasta's not a like money hungry guy he grew up from really like simple beginnings and he just wants to be able to like help get back to his mom when he says it all the time and things like that get back to his community eight
1: years eight, eight and a half. yeah
0: I, I think or or just i mean even like if it just mirrors mcavoy like eight by 9.5 it's well deserved um, you know, you have guys that they're making a level 12 billion. So I, that's a player in difference. You know what I mean? Like you get a whole other guy. I think pasta and he deserves that. Like I, whatever pasta gets, he deserves. I mean, he's how old is pasta? 25 years old He's my age. Yeah. yeah. Like pasta is the future of this Browns team. You're going to pay him. And he had a great year and he's only getting better. Like pasta in the playoffs. That was the best I've seen him play in the playoffs. He was playing physical. He was laying the body. Pasta's a big frame. Like he's not a small kid anymore. He's one. He's six feet, one ninety-five. I think he probably runs a little heavier than that. He's known in the Bruins organization. He's he's in the gym every day. Like he's a workhorse. He's lifting every day. He's going to be a power power player going forward. I think Pasta's going to make himself into a more dynamic type Ovechkin type guy. Like with his physicality, um, his shot is close, not quite as good as obi I don't know if we'll ever see a shot against Obi, but. Pasta is a legit star, and he's a guy you need going forward, and the Bruins know that. I have no worries if Pasta will be signed. Brad Marchand. So Ooh. there's a time in the season where we were going we were calling Brad Marchand our MVP. Um, it's 70 games played, 80 points, great numbers, 32 goals, 48 assists, plus 16. Marchand was tracking to be a 100-point player this year, and some things derailed him. He had a couple suspensions. And it really, really derailed his season. Um, I think Marshy's at a little bit of a kind of a teetering point in his career. Um, Brad Marshall is one of the best players in the NHL, but he has to find that line a little better. Even in the playoffs, slashing the goalie, throwing that spearing at, was it Brett Pesci when he would put like it? Yeah. It, it's. it's it- you can see the frustration with him. Yeah. And then it's come out at the end of the
1: season was he has a sprained AC joint. Yeah. He's been playing with since that uh, last game as the Capitals when he took that hit. From halfway. Yeah. And then Sweeney and this presser talks about Possibly. he, has he, he, has hip yeah, he has a hip it, injury. Yeah, like
0: he's a hip injury. So he might need 2 offseason surgeries. It's crazy. Maybe. So, like, Brad Marchand's getting an A, obviously, right? But he, he just – we need – I think Marshawn needs to find that line a little better, and he had it for years. And he has to play with that reckless abandon to be successful. And he needs to get himself emotionally in games. You saw it, what it looks like. He was just, he had the most points in the playoffs through seven games. Like he's such a dominant player. Just hope that these surgeries go well and he comes back and he can be be a leader in this locker room. Because if you lose Bergeron, you're going to need Marshawn to be a huge leader in that locker room. Um, but Marshy's season was still a success. Obviously, he's still one of the best players in the NHL, and we're just gonna kind of have to wait and see where where everything goes from here with him. That's that's every player. We just went through every player other than our goaltender. So let's get down to him. We'll start with Olmark. How are you? Sure about winning with Mark. I like him. He yeah he did any,
1: the job. Yeah, with any new goalie, it's gonna take time to come in, adjust, to new teammates, new uh, team, new environment, and. We saw that once Omar finally kind of got comfortable, he did his job. He was 26 10 and 2. Like, that's not it's good stats, but the 2.45. Yeah. And he split in time. Like, they didn't even split at 41 and 41. Yep. Like, even Swayman. So he did his job.
0: How is that? That can't be correct. Why? Because Tuka started games. There's only 82 uh, games in a
1: year. Well, as Kings played, not games started. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. because yeah. they both got. The no, 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 you're right. You're yeah, right. So I read it the same way. So the Sargent
0: – They played. did both play half the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So, the game started
1: was
0: 39-39, so – Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to give Linus Hallmark a B. I'm going to give Swayman a plus. I think Sway, just because he's younger, he had a little bit better stats, but he played a little bit more sheltered games. Um I love Sway's year. I love Mark's year. I think we have a great goalie tandem going forward. They get along great. The goalie hugs are huge. Oh um, yeah, the shirts. Yeah. And I think our goaltending's in good good hands going forward.
1: Yeah, and Swayman's out there in the World Championships. So, so is Olmark. Yeah. Oh yeah. Been yeah, they just
0: played each other last night. I don't, I don't even know what happened. I
1: think like, Swayman being so young at twenty three is just invaluable experience that he's gaining. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's huge. He just shut up his first game.
0: So. Yeah, this Bruins team. you know, we gave a lot of good grades, right? They, they, they kind of lived up to their, to what they were. And that's the biggest takeaway from this year. Um, You know, you had Swayman come in as a young goalie and make an impact. You had pasta fight through unthinkable adversity and have a good year. You had a rebuilt decor now with Hampus Lindholm to look forward to. We had a second line that was born in January, right? We had, we finally found some depth you were 3 0 1 against Tampa in the regular season. Yeah. Like you had some positives. You had some negatives. Tuca Rasp tried to make a comeback. He worked so hard. He tried. It didn't work. Tuca's now going to be a part of the Bruins. You know, what are they like? PR staff or something? He's doing public relations. something. Yeah. It's great to see Tuca still staying around. Obviously, we love Tuka And, and they didn't work. And Tuca
1: said, anytime Swayman has a question, Yeah. he can come to me. He goes, my, my phone's always open. My door's always open. He goes, I, yeah. I want to help him. I want to make him
0: the best Which was for this team. It's yeah. That's
1: what Tuca is. It's not just me versus the world. It's no. I'm part of this team. It's my family. So
0: we're gonna see Tuka still around. We got to see Willie O'Ree's number retired. We got to see so many good moments, and there was a lot of downs. Right? We had some stretches of bad hockey this year, but there's a lot of question marks. This Bruins season is the question mark season. I think the Bruins lost in the first round, so that we can retool this team to be a real contender next year. And I think just follow along this summer because we are going to follow the retooling of this team very closely and everything that's happening. And we're super excited for the future of this podcast. Obviously, um, we have a lot of big things coming. We're going to try to get a lot of cool interviews over the summer, hopefully do some live ones like this with Kevin and I sitting together, maybe try to interview some guests live. We're really excited about the future of this. And we just have a quick word from our show sponsors or friends of Inside the Rink Bet U.S., BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PJ, and, yes, NFL betting lines for up to their 27th year of live betting. Send for BetUS with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, that's code RINK, R-I-N-K, for 125% sign-up bonus. Yeah, this year to me was – it was what it was. It had some successes. It had some negatives. And I hope that it propels the Bruins into something better going forward. And yeah, couldn't agree more. I'm excited for this offseason to see
1: what the Bruins do. Like, is casting them go? Is he gonna be bad? What are off season moves gonna be? And next season can't come soon enough. It's that's what it is. And
0: let's get this thing moving. Give us a follow at Cue the Duck Boats with a Z on Twitter. And uh, thank you, everyone. Right now, we are doing a giveaway. Where we're giving away a jersey. So go hit that with a retweet. Give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, and you can get your chance to win a jersey for any team you want. Um, And check out InsideTheRink.com for all of your hockey content because this podcast is partnered with Inside the Rink and they are very important to us. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.